2: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
1: Listen to Rapaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
2: me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Hot happy mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot Happy Happy. Mess. Oh, shoot! (laughs) What is that? Welcome back to Hot Happy Mess. I am your host, Zuri Hall, and this one is for those with school-aged children. Get the churns out. They can listen to this episode. We are talking about getting the kids ready for in-person learning. Obviously, we've been going through the thick of the pandemic. We're coming out on the other side. I'm seeing all the cute little back-to-school photos on Instagram. Y'all got me ready to pop a couple out. It's adorable. But then I hear all the horror stories about how much they cry and just stress. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Godspeed to all of you. Uh, No, but in all seriousness, I don't have kids just yet, but I do want them. And I do have a ton of friends and family members who are juggling digital learning and work and and just life in general during a pandemic. And now everyone's trying to get back to some state of normalcy. So I thought it would be a really great idea to chat about that transition. Okay, so I pulled in Jennifer, who shares amazing tips on how to get kids ready for in-person learning and ways to support them academically and emotionally uh, during these these wild, unprecedented times. Our conversation is just running the gamut. We're talking about if you're homeschooling your kids, if you're taking your kids out of homeschool and finally transitioning them back into in-person learning, how to be kind to yourself, love on yourself, um, some tips and tricks to help you manage your anxiety or your fears around bringing the kids back to school or dealing with them in the house Um, and also how to show love to our our teachers and the people who are helping us to support our children as we navigate this new normal Uh, it's a really great combo you're gonna love it here's jennifer Jennifer Lemaitre is an educator of 10 years turned online tutor. Back in 2018, Jennifer actually found herself suddenly unemployed and in need of a way to generate income, hence her journey to creating GEM Tutoring. GEM Tutoring provides exceptional and engaging instruction to greatly improve academic success both in and out of the classroom. And now Jennifer focuses on teaching fellow educators how to triumph as tutors, serve more students, and profit on purpose. Ooh, I got a little chill here in Profit on Purpose. I love that. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much, Ziri, for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to have you on. Um, this is a conversation that I, I'm pretty hyped to have because it's a, it's a new one for our Hot Happy Mess community. You know, a lot of our listeners, our mothers, um, our parents are are dealing with school-aged kids. And now we're coming out of this pandemic, uh, kind of coming out. It kind of feels like it might just be the new thing that we live with. Um <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> bringing these kids back to these schools is a big part of it, so I am grateful for you sharing your uh, expertise today. Uh, when it comes to you know the challenges of returning back to school after a year or more of digital learning, what, what are
4: some of the biggest challenges that you've noticed or that you foresee happening? Um, for our parents, I think it's the challenge of being able to saw. Right, because there's a lot of fears going in back into you know, sending their children back, right? There's a lot of conversation about, you know, people want there to be absolutes, right? So it's like, oh, are you a good parent if you send your child back to school? Aren't you concerned about the pandemic? But then there's also the nuance of if you don't send them back, right? Then what are you doing to ensure that the academic gap doesn't widen? Right. And so, um, and then for our children who are going back, it depends. So I taught elementary school primarily. So if you have a scholar who is in kindergarten, they don't know anything else. And so last year was interesting because for some of our children, their first school experience was online. Right. If they were kindergarten. Wow what does that do to a kid? What does that do to a kid to be like, hold up, who are all these other kids? Go get my iPad. <laughs> right. um, honestly, it depends <laughs> on the child, right? It depends on their personality. So some of the children adapted really well. Again, if it was their first year of year of school, they had nothing to compare it to. So it was just, oh, I'm going to school today, right? It just happens to be digitally. Um, However, for our scholars who had the in-person experience first and they were suddenly catapulted into a digital world and now are being brought back to in-person, I think there could be a lot of anxiety. Sometimes we can tend to overestimate um, what our children's resilience is, right? And I do think our children are incredibly resilient, but we also need to create space so that they can speak about how they feel. Regardless of their age, and so for some of our scholars, what I noticed, especially when they were coming back in person, a lot of kids were just worried, right? Because obviously the virus is a big topic, so they're hearing about it on the news, they're hearing about it from their parents, they're hearing about it from their friends everywhere. And depending on their personality, it can it can elicit fear. So then they're going back into a school building and they're wondering, like, oh my goodness, am I like? You know, this is bad. Something bad is happening. I'm in school. I don't want to get sick. I, you know, all this for the one that might be anxiety prone. Then you have the other kids who are trading masks with their classmates. Let's <laughs> so go. So it just depends. Okay. really depends. <laughs> Let's go.
3: <laughs> Not trading masks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm glad that you brought that up, particularly the concept of anxiety, because I have um a colleague, an industry colleague, and her kids okay. are going back to school. One, I think, is in junior high. Um, the other is maybe a little bit younger. And she was talking about the fact that her her daughter, who's in junior high, started suffering from, like, terrible anxiety heading back to school. Because not only do you have the normal social anxieties, do they like me? Do I fit in? It's, what is this COVID thing? Am I going to catch it? Like, she was freaking out. Um, she mentioned that them getting a puppy actually, helped, uh, was sort of like helping to level out and calm her anxiety, being able to come home to and wake up to this little guy that she could love on. It was almost like, um, a form of therapy for her. Uh, but that was the first time that I really thought about that. Yeah. What are some of the things that you recommend to help alleviate the anxiety of a middle schooler or a high schooler, maybe a a grade schooler who isn't really handling this well?
4: One thing that I'm incredibly grateful for right now is I think that as a culture we're shifting towards creating space for that mental health right we're really starting to consider that and even in the schools so i'm not sure if you're familiar with social emotional learning or sel it's a huge topic right now in schools essentially it's about ensuring that our scholars are equipped to be able to process their emotions so it's social emotional learning and so now in schools, teachers are explicitly teaching our children how to process how they feel, which I think is huge, right? Um, so important, especially considering where our, our world is currently with the pandemic. And so for a middle schooler, an elementary school student, a high school student, what I realize is that even as adults, we're really just big kids. All right. It doesn't really matter what your age is. We're just yeah. big kids. Girl. I was thinking that the other day. I was, was like, what scam am I pulling on everyone
3: around me? Because they think that I am an adult and I am right at
4: heart. Like, what is, I do. We're <laughs> just big kids who learn how to cope in different ways, right? Um, right. And pay me bills if we l- Listen, right? And so for our children, I think even what your friend did with getting her child a puppy, People just want to feel loved. And I think that the thing that parents can do at home is to realize that whether they mean to or not, our children are going to model the behavior that they see. So they see panic from parents. Even if you tell them not to panic, they're looking at you like, "But you're panicking. So I'm going to panic because you are the closest representation of how I'm supposed to um, interact with the world. So they're, they're taking their cues. From you. So I think that as you know, as parents, just considering, all right, how am I responding to the current reality? Right. And then if you know that maybe you are maybe anxiety prone, give yourself grace. And maybe even model for your child, how do you process your anxiety? Let them see you actually Take off the Superman cape for a moment and show them that it's okay to feel the whatever you're feeling, the anxiety, the frustration, the fear, whatever it is. And then, how do you cope? And obviously, just really giving them that unconditional love. Like, our children just need to feel safe, right? So, as long as we create a safe environment where let's change the topic, turn off the news. I think that can be incredibly helpful for some people. Turn off the news yeah. just for, for all a moment, for because even if us. it's white noise yeah. in the background, subconsciously we are consuming, you know, whatever it is we're hearing or seeing, whatever the case may be. And so for our families, I would say one, definitely just create space for your scholar to be able to communicate how they feel, especially if our kids get older the taboo how was school today that's not going to fly off <laughs> that's not going to fly <laughs> let me tell you mama <laughs> right because because some will say that right zuri but then some yeah. but it was fine and they're going to stop yeah. right there but was it fine oh. was it fine so really maybe asking them like you know um some a question that evokes emotion so how did you feel um during your interaction with your classmates today Interesting. That's a lot more. Like, you can't just go, okay, that, that's not the right answer, right? So it's like, it, yeah. it causes your, and then that one it allows your child to know that you're interested. But then two, it allows your child to reflect and consider what was my interaction like with my classmates? What was my interaction like with my teachers, right? Um, just really give them an opportunity to speak about whatever is going on. So I think that's one. And then obviously creating, when they're at home, let them be at home where it feels safe, because that's the one place where, Technically like the pandemic isn't here, even though it, you know, it is, but it's nice. like, hey, we're at home, we're safe. This is the mm-hmm. sanctuary. So that's what I would recommend. Just create space and make sure the home is a loving loving environment.
3: Oh, those are really great tips. I also love how that encourages the child, right? The student to be intentional and thoughtful with their own experience. And sometimes you're internalizing things. We do this as adults that we're not even processing. We just know we're starting to feel this way or we're tightening up or whatever it is. But a parent encouraging a child to give voice to those feelings might just help them learn to articulate them and get a
4: little bit more in tune with themselves. Absolutely. And it just fosters that ongoing um, intimate relationship with their parents right? Because you, we want our children to be able to speak to us about what's going on because we know if we suppress things, it doesn't serve anybody, um, especially in a pandemic. Because I think sometimes we either can fall in two places I've noticed with parents. We either underestimate what our kids know, what they may feel, what they may be processing, or we overestimate their resilience. So it's, it's a matter of like playing this fine, you know, this like, fine line where you're just understanding, let me give them an opportunity to be able to communicate with me how they're feeling because you don't want to assume that how you feel is how your kid feels.
3: Got it, got it. Obviously, going back into these schools um, post-pandemic is all because of COVID, right? And and a lot of what these kids and even us are or we are learning is from what we hear in the background noise on the news every day or when we open up our phones. How do you suggest a parent uh navigate that conversation? What is COVID? Um, teachers, how do you recommend they talk to kids about COVID, the ones who just know it's this big, bad monster on the other side of their house and maybe they're mm-hmm. going up out there for the first time to school, what is COVID and and what is it in a way that's easily digestible for a kid that we don't want to freak out any more than necessary?
4: Honestly, I think that this is where we have the opportunity not to Let's just be honest with our kids, okay? Like, let's be honest with it because it's, it's serious, right? I don't think we have to use scary language. So for our younger babies, we can just use things like, it's, a, it's germs, right? It's like, there's some germs. I mean, even doing activity, something I did in the classroom before was we did an activity where we put, like, dirt or whatever, like, on our kids' hands so they could, you know, practice washing it until the water ran clear, we wanted them to understand, or singing mm-hmm. songs, like, okay, sing the chorus of this song and you don't stop rubbing your hands and wash your hands until the chorus is over so that we can teach them the 22nd rule, right? Things like that. So I think it's a matter of, no, really communicate what you need to say to them, but do it in a way where it's clear. So in the classroom, I remember um, when we first went back in the fall, so actually before this current school year, we were, we started off the year 2020, August, virtually, right, in the classroom. But then my school returned in January in person. Not all of the students, but some of the students had the option, right, if they want to come back into the classroom. And I remember one of my um, my babies walked up to me and had their mask on and was like, Um, Miss Jennifer, we're we all going to get sick? And like my... Oh. You know, oh, and... No. Uh, you know, because... Uh, hi. How old are you? right? Because I, I teach kindergarten yeah, oh so, my goodness. so are we not gonna get sick? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, you know, I said the thing is, you know, as long as we're taking the right measures, we can we can minimize, right? We can decrease the chance of us getting sick. So here's what we're gonna do, you guys. Let's play a game, right? I want to see which kids can keep their mask on the whole day. I want to see how many of us can give the best air high fives, right? So we're making it fun, where it's like, but listen listen, you lose the game if you give each other a real high five. <laughs> you know, it's like you you have to like make <laughs> right. it fun for the actual child and help them to see like, okay. Yeah. Because they can process a lot but how we give it to them to process is important. So we're still teaching the values without the layer of fear, right? And all the extra technical terms. So still communicate, No, you know, the virus, it can really infect your lungs. It can make it really hard to breathe. Everyone, let's put our mask on but take a deep, take a deep breath. How's that? What feels good, Miss Jennifer? Good. We want to keep feeling good like that. So let's keep our mask on when we breathe, right? Um, let's do, we had a pledge that our school said every day, like a school pledge, right? And so that was the way we also counted for how long we should be washing our hands. So I remember taking my kids to the bathroom and I would hear them reciting the school pledge and that's how they were ensuring they were washing their hands long enough. So that like little things like that to just make it where it's you know it's accessible for them and help them to realize yeah. that there are a lot of germs. So we want to be safe, period. Right? COVID is what is the top conversation, obviously, right now. But when we explain to them that we want to be clean and neat anyway, right? And so it makes a little bit less of COVID the big bad monster right. and more of like this is just these are good health practices.
3: Mm, really good perspective shift, for sure. Um, I want to switch gears and, and talk about the parents who might not be ready to send their kids back in person to school. Uh, What can those parents do to ensure that their kids are still getting that full academic
4: experience, still getting um, socialization? Yes, and so I completely get this. So for all my parents who are like, oh, I'm not ready, it's okay. And again, I want you to extend grace to yourself. Either way, right, whether you're sending your child to school, whether it's because you have you know you have a job and maybe you can't keep your baby or you don't have whatever, and then the ones who are like no, I'm keeping them at, keeping them at home for my families that are keeping their um children at home. One, I want you to extend yourself some grace because I know it's not easy <laughs> having kids at home, especially if you're not a teacher, right? So you just got promoted to homeschool teacher, you didn't sign up for it, <laughs> okay? Um, so some things that <laughs> right. So the thing that I would definitely recommend is one. Creating a language-rich environment, right? And so, you know, do you have some posters on the walls? Do you have books, magazines out, something that the children can engage with that is print-rich, right? Do you um, have any educational toys, things at home? Um, giving your child actual, like like, children's books, but you also have books as well. Have a dear time. Dear stands for drop everything and read, right? So maybe have a moment where you're at home where you're like, all right, guys, dear. And then everyone sits down, including the parent, if you can. If you can't, I get it. But maybe fake that you're reading something. I don't know. Um, sit down and just let them have a moment where they get to engage with a book, right? Um just creating. Why is that important, Jennifer? Why is it? I mean, obviously,
0: I love yeah.
3: reading. It i have <laughs> scared. But, you know, for the sake of the, the conversation, why is it important to dear? Because
4: it just creates that space. We are so busy. We're so busy, Zuri, that if we're not careful, we will put our children in front of, you know, the TV all day. No shade. I get it. We'll mm, put them in yeah. front of the TV all day. They don't get to engage with actual literature. And I think that's incredibly important. And this is not to say that tablets are bad, right? I don't have like this strong and hard um, posture either way, but I just think that allowing them to be able to see you engaging with literature in a way that is not just academic, right? Like, let them see you holding a book and like chuckling. Let them see, because the mm. thing is, um, I'm not even going to soapbox, but reading is not natural, right? It's fairly new. Mm. When you think, it's not oh, natural.
3: Wait, go in the soapbox
4: for like 15 okay. seconds, because I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, so our brains are not hardwired to read. They're not. We learn to read, but we're, we are hardwired to communicate verbally, right? So mm. reading is actually not natural at all, right? It's, only, it's technically yeah. a new phenomenon mm. by hundreds of years, obviously, but it's still new compared to verbal communication. We've been verbally communicating, whether it's through, you know, going back archaically, I'm being a little nerdy by nature right now, right? So whether you're just like, you know, grunting or whatever the case may be, verbally we can communicate, but actually having print and interpreting what these symbols mean and making them mean something else, that's new. And so our children need to have opportunities to engage with text because reading is that one skill that we absolutely need because you're reading things all day, even on your tablet, even on your phone, even whatever. So we want to create an environment where it's normalized for us to engage with literature right? And so deer is just fun and you can make it fun, right? Let, let them have a little corner in the house where the beanbags are and they get to go in that cozy space for their deer time, right? Read a book to your scholar, let them do whatever. If they're older, then sure. If they want to read something on their, you know, tablet, let them read. The point is that they're reading something, right? And so um, definitely doing that, like I said, and fo- oh gosh, follow a daily routine because even if you're keeping your kids at home, kids need structure, they really do. They thrive in it. Sometimes we're like, oh, this is the home? Get relaxed. The structure will really serve, I think, both the parent and the child well if they understand that, hey, this is what our daily routine looks like. And as a family, you know what's best for you, so you determine what the routine should be. Yeah. So that, that's what I would say as far as tips.
3: Right. And I feel like that also helps because when you are homeschooling, right, having some sort of structure, even we as adults last year, particularly at peak pandemic needed that like, okay, when am I just home and enjoying my home with my family? And when am I in work mode or school mode? And so for a child, to your point earlier about doing over saying they watch what we do, not just listen to what we say. Okay. What are we doing right now? From eight to four, this is what happens. And then after four, I get to play with my toys and I hang out with my brothers and sisters and we do whatever. And they start to wrap their mind
4: around what's happening every day. Absolutely. It just gives them a level of normalcy in a very unnormal situation. Right. Um, so create some type of structure because, We can't control everything else in the world, but you can kind of control what's happening in your house, right? So if you help them to have something that's predictable, it really, people, some people love surprises. Some people can't stand them. But I think that when you're at home, you want to at least have something predictable so that way the child doesn't feel like they're always on edge every day. Like it it just doesn't serve them well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A new season of Bridgerton is here.
3: How can someone who's homeschooling their their child learn their learning style and the best tools to support it? Like if we're just getting thrown into this thing, it's like, well, I don't know. Is 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 my child an active learner? Do they need to touch and feel and see? Do they need to just read the instructions? How do we figure that out? Are there are there quizzes, tools, tips that you have
4: for us to get better at teaching Ooh, our children? That's a good children? question. That's a good question. One. Parents are just trusting yourselves. Trust yourself. You actually know a lot more than you may realize. You probably never put a phrase like, oh, is my child an auditory learner, a tactile, kinesthetic? Are they visual? You probably never did that, but you know how your kid learns, right? Think about like when you watch them throughout the day, how do you notice that they best retain information, right? Is your child someone who you can tell them something one time, boom, they got it. They they can do it. They go, but they're probably a little bit more auditory. But then you have the kid, you told it five times too, they still don't get it. But mm-hmm. the minute... <laughs> but the minute you model it for them, <laughs> you notice that they understood, okay, they might be a little more visual, right? Um, versus right. the kid and right. everyone really can benefit from hands-on learning, period. So it really doesn't matter. Anything where they get to do a little bit of all of them. And so as far as an actual test, I'm sure there are some, or even like obviously our tutor, like find a tutor, a local tutor. Right now, tutors are going to be your best friend, Right. Um, quick hack if you're on social media, look up the name of your city and put the word tutor, right? So, like, I'm in Atlanta, so I might put hashtag AtlantaTutor or ATLTutor. That could be a way for me to see if there's anyone locally who can support you and being a part of your child's academic journey. So, that's the one thing, too, is that parents is okay. If there's certain things you don't feel confident in because you get to use, utilize some resources. Feel free to outsource. You're already, parents are doing so much all the time. Feel free to outsource. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's really great. I
3: love that tip about the hashtag to find. That's what I do to find makeup artists. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how you know I don't got a kid yet. I remember like LA oh Lamp <laughs> <laughs> Squad. Um, are there any uh, official platforms or websites that that you recommend? Like, I think, like, obviously with, like, babysitting and things like that, like Care.com. Are there any platforms like that to find tutors or, or reputable teachers
4: or people to help you with educating your child? Yeah, so there's, like, tutors.com. There's one called, um, I think it's Wyzant, W-Y-Z-A-N-T. Um, there's several that you can look for, but obviously you want to do your own research, though, right? Because these are platforms that will that tutors can get hosted on, but whether or not you don't know the efficacy. So do your research on knowing which tutor you're being paired with, do your due diligence, feel free even asking your child's school. They might be able to recommend tutors that they know of, right? Someone in-house. And again, just continue to do your research because I'm really big on, you know, one thing that I do share with my clients is like, okay, there are typical tutors, but then there's trusted tutors. You want to be a trusted tutor. That's something you want mm, to make sure yeah. that you are really pushing um, in the level of ex- the experience clients having to engage with you.
3: Okay, so we have... All of these really amazing resources. So thank you for that. As far as where to find really good tutors or teachers. Um, if you are the one who wants to be doing that work, who wants to figure it out, I'm curious to know when a, when a kid isn't great in a subject, when it's not their strong suit, it's so easy. It's not so easy, but it's easier to teach a child who's really passionate about a subject. What if it's something that our kid is struggling in or they're not interested in or they're not strong in just yet? What tools do you recommend for, for parents to overcome that, that? obstacle?
4: One, I think validating how the kid feels, right? So typically when kids say things like, I don't like to read or I hate math or whatever, and I hear things like that, I'm always like, that's such a surface level response to like what's actually going on. Typically what the issue is, is that they don't like the feeling of failure and they've experienced it so much with that subject area that people don't actually like to be uncomfortable. We like to feel good. So anything that could make us uncomfortable, we tend to naturally get away from it, <laughs> right? So our children going to do the same thing. They're sitting here thinking, I don't like math. I hate how frustrated I become when I'm trying to engage with it. I don't like reading. I don't understand. I, You know, I'm struggling with comprehension, or I can't decode the words, whatever. So I'm just going to say I don't like reading, or I'm just going to try the escape mechanism where every time you pull out a book, I'm running in the opposite direction. <laughs> you out. know, Back. it's like, okay. <laughs> right, and then eventually parents don't want to fuss with this, and so they just give up because they're like, "Listen, it's pulling teeth to get you to sit down and do this." Right. So I think one is validating it, but then also identifying, okay, what what is the actual gap, right? Because if we can identify what the gap is, like, okay, I don't like math. Math is very complex. So it's reading. So what part of math do you not like? And then whatever that part is then what can I do to help you become more confident, engaging with that section? So if fractions is your pain point, then let me figure out how I can do some fraction activities at home, right? Let's buy some pizza and I'm going to cut it up and I'm going to talk to you about how this is a fraction, you know, whatever. I just and got really excited. Eat it I'm like, right. okay, let's, <laughs> do, let's learn about fractions tonight. That sounds delicious. Right. That sounds delicious. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so you make it relevant. I think that's the thing. People, we retain things that are relevant to us. Right. Many of us don't yep. think about trigonometry because we don't use trigonometry on a daily basis. So it's not right. relevant. So we, it's like, oh, why am I doing this? But reading is relevant. Being able to compute numbers is relevant. So maybe go to the grocery store and have your child figure out what certain numbers at the prices are, things like that. Um, could be a way to just, you know, so for my parents, I would just say, validate how the child feels. Identify specifically what is the area that's an opportunity for growth. And then you can um, figure out some fun. Google, Pinterest, you guys. Like find some cool activities you can do at home with your child.
3: Got it. Really great, great tips. Okay. So, you know, we've talked about the child's anxieties, students' anxieties, and how to help alleviate some of that pressure. What are your top two or three tricks to help parents and teachers manage their own back to school mm-hmm. worries and avoid projecting ooh. them onto our kids? How do we
4: work on us ooh, so that we don't rub ooh, off on so them? That's so good. That's so good. Um, man, I, my brain just, <laughs> okay. So, the first thing I would think about is just creating. OK, so parents or teacher, adults, OK, adults period right now. Um, create something sacred for yourself in your schedule. Something for you. It's not for the kids. It's not for your students, especially teachers. We tend to be very sacrificial, right? Because we love what we do. So we will, we will go to that ends of the world for our children, but it's like, when do you check in with you? So what? maybe it's a bubble bath once a week. Something you can look forward to is, you know, this is my chance to de- decompress. Maybe it's, you know, Netflixing and binging yeah. it, right? or Do something mindless because our minds are on all the time. Find something mindless <laughs> where you're not trying to problem solve for a moment, right? Um, for our parents, if you have community around you, whether it's your family or friends, someone See if you can put the children <laughs> somewhere <laughs> for two or three hours so you can just go yeah. walk around Target, girl, and decompress. I don't, if I don't love a Target moment. yeah, Decompress. Listen, I mean, whatever it takes, but feel unapologetically create a sacred mm. something love for that. you. Okay. That you can keep. That you are going to actually keep sacred. So That's stuff I use the word sacred very intentionally because we'll off put it for everything else. Oh, well, I have to do this. I have to do that. And it's like, really ask yourself, like, do you have to do it right now? Or are we just constantly in this hustle and bustle culture where we're like, go, 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 go? go. And it's like, man, right. slow down. So that'll be one thing I'll say to, um, Have something that you can look forward to every week. Something, something where you get to decompress and just okay, Woo-saw. If not every day, but I know that we're busy, so I won't say once a week. All right, a sacred something.
3: I like that. Okay,
4: a sacred something. Um, and then something else that I think parents and teachers could do is to only give if you're making to do lists. I've heard people call it like the big three, right? So think about three things. We are incredibly ambitious with our to do list. Okay. The problem is, when you're overly ambitious, you set yourself up for feelings of defeat. Because if you make this list that has 20 things and you get to three, you feel like you were not accomplished. As opposed to you put three things on the list and you get to all three. You're like, oh, I did it.
0: Right, right. Now, is
4: it everything you could have done? Maybe maybe there's more you could have done, but why are we talking about that? Right. <laughs> Let's, Let's talk focus, about what we let, did. <laughs> Let's focus on what we did, right? So maybe take some time and think about what are the top three things I would love to accomplish today, and then tomorrow, three things, and then tomorrow, three things. By the end of the week, you hit your twenty. Yeah, but twenty in one day is not realistic, and it made and that's and honestly, having the twenty things makes you feel like you can never sit down. Right. So really think about what are the t- what are the three things I need to do right now, and then feel accomplished with that, and that's going to help you find balance as well. Because again, as adults, adulting is hard, and we are doing so much.
1: So just keep it
4: a three, definitely no more than five things if possible. And again, everything is not an emergency. So as much as you want to believe that all 10 things that happened today, more than likely if you really sat with yourself, you would realize... It doesn't doesn't. have to happen right now, you know?
3: (laughs) And and because the truth of the matter is we make these lists, right? With 20, 25 things and we never get to all of it. And life goes on and the world keeps turning and we wake up tomorrow and just keep plucking away. So for me, I love that you said, you know, keep it to three or five because that list hovers in the back Mm -hmm. of our mind. So even as we're moving through our day, it's like, oh, I'm putting the kid down, but I know I still got this, 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 this to do. So it just kind of warps your experience as you move through your day but if you know there's just three things it takes that that uh mental baggage out of the picture so that when you're doing the thing that you're doing you're not also kind of thinking of those other
4: 18 or 19 things absolutely absolutely so i think honestly for me those would be the top two things i would think of it's just create a sacred something for you that you can look forward to where you get to decompress not, not extra work it's not Something where you can decompress, you can look forward to every week. And then as we, obviously we have to be responsible. So think about three things a day that you want to focus on and give yourself permission not to have a list of 20 if possible. You know what I mean?
3: Great. 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 And lastly, as a former teacher yourself, I'm curious to know if you have um, a tip or a couple of ways that parents can help support their children's teachers. How can we extend grace to the people who are teaching our children and dealing with their little bad every day? every day? <laughs> thank you card
4: and gift basket. What do we? How do we support the teacher? Ooh, thank you for the question. Because <laughs> it's like, let, let me get my this. Yeah. Roll out the scroll, um, <laughs> right? Oh, Larry, y'all don't see. She just opened up a big old Bible of what what teachers wish we would do. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so one, I would say definitely appreciation really matters. Is like last year, I feel like the world got an opportunity to really see that what we do as educators is not a walk in the park. Let's keep the energy going, can we? Please, can we keep the energy going? going. <laughs> because I feel like now it's crazy that in the first right. month back to school, the things teachers have dealt with, emails that teachers have received, kind of nice nasty, and it's like, mm. where's that energy of like, oh, not all heroes wear capes, right? Like where's where's that? Like we had, I mean, right. I mean, we would encourage parents to remember like how difficult and trying last year was when you were homeschooling your children, and to allow and also that for some teachers. We love what we do. We love what we do. But some of us don't have a choice. We're back in the classroom, even though we're scared. And we have to teach scared. Yeah, wow. And we can't let our kids see that we're scared. So we're showing up for your children every single day because we love what we do and we care about your kids that it would just help so much if we felt appreciated and, you know, heard. So, you know, really consider like, okay, if you're sending an email what is the topic of the email, right? Please check your emails because we don't want to have to have the same conversation five times. <laughs> just keeping it real. It's like, you know, check your emails, <laughs> check in with, um, like, you know, please help us help your child. So if we do send home something, it, you know, we can't, we're not living with you. We want to see your child succeed. So help us help them, right? If you can encourage your child to actually do whatever the project is or the homework. Obviously, we know that you can't, maybe sometimes you just can't get to things, but We don't give you guys busy work. We don't give our kids busy work. We want to see them succeed. We want to see our children progress to the next grade confidently. And so I would just say, like, one, like, you know, please make sure that you are extending grace and that we're not being, you know, unkind to our teachers because a lot of them are carrying so much that they would never let you or the children see because they're being professional. But it doesn't mean that they're not carrying some serious anxiety and fear, okay? Two, I would say definitely make sure that you are staying on top of communication, right? So we we have large class sizes. It's really difficult to have individual conversations with 20 plus parents because someone didn't read their email. They didn't read the newsletter or, you know, whatever. Like that's difficult for us to do on top of everything else we do on a daily basis, right? And that's not to say like, oh, parents, you don't check your emails. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But I think if you think from the lens of a teacher, that would help because we want you guys to be in the loop. We want you guys to know what's going on. We want you guys to feel like you're part of our classroom community, even though you're not physically in the classroom. Right. Um, and then lastly, of course, I would just say like making sure that you are, what did I say? Extending that, you know, that grace to the, I'm like, there's so much, um, extending. That grace to the um, teachers, and that you help us help your child at home, right? So, if there's a project or something. If possible, as much as possible, it'd be great if you could, you know, support your child in getting it done. So that way, it makes our job helps to just cement all the hard work we're doing during the hours we have them.
3: Mm, really great tips. Really great, and it, it is so important, right? I loved what you said, and it really made me like realize y'all are doing this. In the middle of your mm-hmm. own fears, you're showing up to these schools. It doesn't make you any less scared or nervous or worried. And we all have a tendency to be very me-focused. Me, 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 my kids, my family, what we're going through. And why aren't why isn't everyone around us helping us facilitate our life, you know? But it's like, because she's going home and dealing with her own stuff. And he's going home and dealing with his family and his stresses and his principal and whatever it is. So. Extending that that compassion and that empathy to the people who are helping uh, to support what we're trying to do with our children. That's that's really good advice. Uh, Jennifer, if people want to follow you, reach out to you, uh, maybe utilize the resources with GEM Tutoring, tutoring where can they find you?
4: GemTutoring.com. That's G-E-M. Tutoring.com um, and put a consultation with us so that we can talk more about how we can support your child academically. And then um, but primarily you'll find in this gym tutor on Instagram as well. Um, and then also for any educators who are listening who are like, you know what? Tutoring sounds interesting. I would love to be able to, you know, amplify my impact beyond the classroom. You can also find me at jenniferlemetra.com, which is Jennifer J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-L-E-M-A-I-T-R-E. And it's the same thing on Instagram as well.
3: Awesome. And wait, tell them one more time what Lemaitre means because I love this. It's very on brand.
4: I know. <laughs> it really is. So my middle name is Lemaitre and it actually means master or teacher in French. So mm. Lemaitre, the master, the teacher. Um and so very on brand. My parents were yeah. most destined for me to be an educator.
3: <laughs> they really did. They really did. They saw it before we saw it. And I, I am so grateful for you sharing your expertise with us today. So Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you. Hats off to the teachers, slow clap, okay? I love what Jennifer said about keeping that same energy, okay? Not all heroes wear capes. So we have to remember that. Uh, There's so many layers to helping the future generation thrive. So I appreciate her sharing her time. Thank you again, Jennifer, for joining me on Hot Happy Mess today. Uh, Y'all make sure you stay tuned for more episodes. They drop every Monday, all right? You can head over to hothappymess.com and leave me a voice recording if you wanna talk to me, If you want to ask me a question, if you want to anonymously call out somebody who was on some bull, an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, whatever you're into, leave the recording and it might pop up on a future episode of Hot Happy Mess, okay? And if you really want to support, be a real one. I'd love if you could leave a super quick review. Um, If you want to do that, it helps Hot Happy Mess. It helps our team keep going and growing. Uh, All you have to do is type in Hot Happy Mess in the little bar. Little Apple podcast search bar, select the show, hit me with five stars, leave a quick review. Okay. Here's one from a lovely listener at Jamoka girl. So much fun. I feel like I got a much needed night of girl talking when I listen to this super fun podcast. Thank you Zuri for sharing your creative gifts with us and sharing all the best of what you've learned. Love this. I'm Happy. You are loving it. I'm loving giving it to y'all. I've got so much more coming. Uh, so yeah, leave it, leave a review. It's the easiest way on iTunes to support the show so we can keep growing to infinity and beyond. I will see y'all next week. In the meantime, you can keep up with me on Instagram at Zuri Hall, Z-U-R-I-H-A-L-L
0: and at Hot Happy Mess. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. 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 A new season of Bridgerton is here.